0: Cheers. Happy Wednesday and welcome to With Her Two Hands, your weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating, shining a light on, and hearing the stories of the amazing women all over the country, all over the world, who are killing it working in all of the various trades professions. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, out of your week to join us and be a part of this conversation. If you're listening, after the fact, happy whatever day of the week it is for you. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, As always, you can catch these episodes every Wednesday night live on YouTube and now on Facebook as well. So whichever is more convenient for you. Um, We have archived episodes that are released every Monday evening. And then of course you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts to make sure wherever is the easiest for you that you like, you subscribe, you leave us reviews. reviews we get, the more eyes are on these amazing women, and that, at the end of the day, is the point of all of this, to, to spread the good word. that There are tons of amazing, amazing women working in the industrial trades all over the world. My name is Bogie. I'll be your host this evening, and for this series, I am a master mechanic by trade, but this series is not just about auto mechanics. Of course, it is all about all women all across the trades. This episode is brought to you in part by Drive Time. A big thank you to them for their support and their dedication to encouraging more women to enter the automotive industry and for providing training and career guidance for them. If you're not familiar with them, make sure you go check them out at Life at DriveTime. Now, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. I'm really excited to meet tonight's guest she has had a really interesting journey from kind of growing up around mechanical things having a a natural curiosity and an instinct around them from the time she was young but hesitant to dive in full-time. She pursued a career in something totally different, but it kept tugging back at her and bringing her back. Despite her best efforts, she eventually gave in, followed her passion. She has not looked back since. So I'm really excited to hear her story and all of her experiences. So please give a warm welcome to tonight's guest, Miss Crystal Stone. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm fabulous. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. We've been, this has been in the works for a couple of months now, trying to get, get things worked out (laughs) schedule-wise. Between the
1: schedule-wise and honestly, I, I think we first started chatting last year.
0: Yeah, Um, but I was in
1: the process of buying my business. And so I was like, can you, I like kind of half jokingly say, oh, come back to me in a year. And you did. So I was like, oh, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Every once in a while, I actually remember things (laughs) and do them. My memories. Well, why don't you introduce yourself to the fine folks at home, where you are, what you do, just a a brief description of what you're doing, and then we'll go back in time and start unwinding the story of how you got here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so my name is Crystal. Um, I'm 35, and I own a company called Moto Resto here in Portland, Maine, and all we do is work on classic and vintage cars, which I have a few of them behind me, but um, (laughs) which we can get into if anyone has any questions, but yeah, I uh, I started out as a hairstylist and then eventually ended up as a business owner. So it's it's been quite the journey to to get here. And I still have days where I go to bed going, "What the hell just happened?" And then I wake up going, "What am I doing?" So, but I, I, I love it. Imagine. Like I I look forward every day to like, all right, what's today's adventure going to be? And it's it's been my journey's kind of it's not gone up and down it's actually kind of gone in circles and it's kind of like backtracked and gone forward and backtracked and i'm sure it'll happen again at some point but here i am today and it's great
0: (laughs) i love it i love like hairdresser to restoration shop owner um on on the surface these are totally completely different career paths there's some similarity, <laughs> though, right? There's a various tools. Just yeah, well, and you're making things beautiful, right? Yes. Like <laughs> you're you're creating something. It's creative. But yep. how how did this come about? Take me back to to the beginning. Um, what was your introduction? I know you kind of got started with this with your your dad, right? When you were young. So
1: my my dad is one of seven, six boys. Oh. One of seven. Yeah and all of his brothers had two boys. So I, ha- I grew up with 10 guy cousins um, and they all live in the same small town. or at least They all used to live in the same small town. So even though I went to ballet class twice a week, I still would go hang out in the garage with dad and we'd go snowmobiling with my cousins and my uncles. And all we had was vintage snowmobiles. So there was always a snowmobile that would just break down. And so we'd have to fix it on the side. And so I was always curious about the toolboxes and curious, like, why did that catch on fire? What is this? like, why do you carry spark plugs on, you know, just kid stuff. Um, but I've always, it's just always fascinated me. Um, and I had uncles and cousins who used to race at a local racetrack that we used to have here. And I always used to love watching them. And I was like, Dad, can we go in the pits? Like, I want to be a part of it. Um, so that really kind of started my like, you no know, mechanic and toolboxes and like, you know, my dad owns a small business with two of his brothers so i got used okay. to the small business blue collar work life um but yeah no I've, I've just always been fascinated by tools and mechanics and how it works and you know i might not know the exact terminology of certain things but i can figure out how it works and why it works and how to put it back together so it's, it's just, I, I mean, that's that's you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the most important part right <laughs> yeah. take it apart put it back, it back together you can call it whatever you want if you know how to fix it. That's all that matters. It's it's, it's, it's like an aerial, it's the thingamajig, you know? Right. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> was um was dad's business also in the trades? Uh so we put up fences.
1: Okay. So, so yeah. we're wood, woodworking in fencing, you know? Okay. And then on when we were done putting up fences on nights and weekends, we'd help an uncle put together a race car or put together okay. a snowmobile to go work on the next weekend. So
0: so with this natural curiosity and this natural interest, and you're surrounded by it, and you've got small business experience kind of leading the way, and you're seeing what that looks like every day. Yeah. Um, did how what how did you wind up a hairstylist? Did you not? Did you not have an interest in working in the trades? Did you? I you, yeah. So I had a fear <laughs> of working in the trades,
1: mostly because for me it was still a hobby. And I still enjoyed it. And I still like when I would work on my motorcycle, if it pissed me off, I would just push it in the side of the garage and leave it alone to deal with it later. And so I had this fear of, well, if I did this 40 hours a week, if a car's Mm -hmm. pissing me off, I can't just push it aside because the customer's waiting for that car. You know, or excuse me, if I did this for 40 hours a week, would I want to work on my motorcycle on the weekends or would I be too tired of it? And so I was always afraid of losing my passion for it because I did it as a job, you know, I, I, and I, I enjoyed, you know, the typical girly girl side of stuff too. I went to ballet, I, you know, I did theater and all that. And I, I enjoyed that side of things. And I had an aunt who was a hairstylist. So I was like, well, I'm afraid I'm going to lose this passion. So I'm going to follow this path and, and enjoy it. I love the creativity. I love meeting people. I love that side of things. Um, but to still be able to have the flexibility to then work on vehicles when I feel like in and when I want to. Yeah. So that's kind of how I ended up in that sort of, but I always still had a hand in working on it Just when i want it to
0: i think that's really relatable i think a lot of people i think you hear people say often like i don't want my hobby to become my career and Uh and i mean let's be honest like you hear mechanics all the time say my car is the most neglected I mean, I'm pointing to myself here for those of you who are listening in the podcast form, right? Like the mechanics car is always the least cared for. And it is for just that. Is that yours that you're pointing to? Right uh, there? With the engine sitting on the table, that is currently um, my project right there. So yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah, they get they get <laughs> neglected. So I totally get that. So I guess you just answered my question. Like, is is the was the fear justified? Like are now that you are in the industry full time, have you lost the love for it? Yeah. Do you? Okay. I still have moments of frustration and I want to push a car aside, but
1: thankfully <laughs> if I want to push one car aside, I've got five other ones that I can work on. <laughs> so awesome. yeah.
0: So if you were talking to somebody else who said maybe what you were saying when you were young, would you, would you encourage them to pursue their passion for their career? Or do you, do you, are you grateful that you went and pursued a different path for a while?
1: I'm grateful that I pursued a different path first, okay, because it gave me a chance to see the other side of things and to—I don't want to say grow up a little bit, but I think twenty-year-old mm-hmm. me probably would have gotten burnt out by it. And I mean, obviously, you make a lot of mistakes in your twenties, like most people.
0: So no, I think,
1: <laughs> weird. <laughs> um, so I, I think twenty-year-old me was not ready to do it yet. And so for me personally, in my story, I needed to be a hairstylist first to be able to be the mechanic that I am today.
0: That's awesome. I love that. So you become a hairstylist and throughout this, you're still doing automotive or motorcycle yep. mostly, or just kind what, what of, are you everything. Doing kind
1: of everything. I so I I have motorcycles myself. I've always loved motorcycles. I, you know, I grew up on dirt bikes and four wheelers and three wheelers, so it 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 was always a thing. It was like, when is she going to get her motorcycle? <laughs> um, and I have friends who have motorcycles, so I would try and help them out. Um, I became really good friends with a gentleman who owns his own motorcycle shop. So I was always like, hey, can I watch or can you help me do this? But I want to do it myself. Can you teach me? So not like full-on apprenticing but but still learning and absorbing everything that he taught me you know how to do fork seals and how to change a tire and and that sort of stuff um and then you know a handful of years ago probably like 10 years ago or so a friend of mine had a small business that he did where we would go around to car shows and dyno cars at car shows put a car on it and figure out how much horsepower and torque their car has and it was very typical, like, um, I mean, we went to a lot of, like, Volkswagen and Audi shows, you know, the people okay. that would get their cars chipped, and then, but anyways, it was still, I think that was my first, like, here, come help me out, come do this, like, job of being at the Dino Car Show, and then I'll give you some money and have a nice day, so that was my first time getting, like, paid to do something. It was it was really fun and it was different. And it was kind of that like little bit of a spark of like, oh, maybe I could do something like this someday. Or I could, <laughs> if there was a way that I could do like both of them at the same time, you know, do half the week here and half the week there. Like, again, I still wasn't ready to just jump in full force. I still needed to, I'm one of those, I have to tiptoe my way into the water. So I do that <laughs> with the rest of my life. So I still okay. had to like, Tiptoe my way into being where I am now, you know
0: okay, so this is not an uncommon theme for you. you're a tiptoeer.
1: I'm a tiptoeer okay yep. I, I overthink things
0: and I still like,
1: oh maybe, but no, okay eh, so.
0: <laughs> cautiousness yep. or fear or both?
1: Um, I would say 50 fifty okay um, and the fear is probably more what other people think about me, which is like a lot of people, you know. <laughs>
0: So how how did people react and respond to to your interest in all things mechanical, to cars and bikes and snowmobiles? I mean, it sounds yeah. like you kind of were always around people who supported uh-huh. it, family and a mentor they in the actually, motorcycle world.
1: Yeah, they they were the ones that were actually pushing me to do this more full time than I was ready to. I don't That's know so. how many people that were like, "Why don't you work on bikes full time? Why don't you work on cars full time?" and A lot of it was that fear of I'm not ready yet. That fear of, you know, do I go back to school for it? Can I find a shop that I can apprentice under while still working full time so I can pay rent and pay for food? Yeah, yeah, it it was just a a number of, I mean, everyone was super supportive. I just needed to be ready for it myself. And I, I hadn't gotten to that point yet.
0: What do you think... It was to, that that got you finally to that place of feeling ready. Like, did some? Was it mental? Was it a mental shift? Did was there a situational change where you were like, "Yes, I am. I am ready to do this now."
1: Um, my
0: life completely turned
1: around in 2019. Um, okay. Not to get, like, too super personal, but we'll get a little personal. My my grandfather passed away in July of 2019, and he was a super mechanic. Like, he was the kind of guy – it was my mom's dad. And he was the kind of um, person that if a mechanic couldn't figure something out, they would call him up, and he would figure it out. And he would, oh, it's this and this. And, I, you know, he was just – he was a mastermind, and I really – I really looked up to him, and he was, a, he was a really important person in my life. And when he passed, I was also dealing with a lot of other interpersonal demons um, and going through different therapies and yada, yada. And after that, my life kind of like, again, that, that circle, my life just kind of like 180 itself. And I started getting help from myself. I started believing in myself a little bit more and going, you know what? I've hit my rock bottom now what? Now, now what can I do? Well, I've already felt that. So let's push through that fear and do things that I'm uncomfortable with and see what it does. Because I've already gone down this, this path. Why don't I try this path? And in that, I met my partner, who's now my fiance, and he's a mechanic. And he really helped to push me with that, like, no, you want to do this and I know you want to do this and I'm going to help you do this so that way you feel more comfortable doing this. And that's kind of when everything started like falling into place for me, I guess.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for, for being honest about all of that and sharing right. that. I think it's it's a, a phenomenal thing. I mean, seeing this, like everybody around you is like, yeah, this is what you're meant to do. Right? Like. I,
1: just, I wasn't ready myself and I, I needed yeah. to get there myself. And And even though I had the support and even though people were telling me, I still had that little bit of fear that was like, no, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet okay, now you're ready.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: And I, I feel like a lot of women I talk to have that fear is, is that they want to, and they're not ready yet. And even though they have the support, they still need to feel it themselves. They, they, yeah. they will know when they're ready for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, when we were talking offline before this interview, you kind of brought up the, the imposter syndrome and kind of struggling mm-hmm. with that. And I, I hear that in the not ready yet. Right. And I, you know, it's, it. In the imposter syndrome episode that we did a couple of episodes ago, 144. I listened to
1: that like three times in a row. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: yes." Right. (laughs) Right. Like, how many people are in the industry for years and years and years and years and years and and still don't feel ready yet, right? Still Uh don't feel legitimate or like they know quote unquote enough, right? So, there's that question of like, how do we get ourselves over? Over that and move anyway. And what I'm hearing from you is like partly it's a it's internal work, right? Mm-hmm. And partly it's really having the right supportive people around you and the people who were like, we're gonna go, we're we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go, <laughs> we're gonna yes. do this. Like sometimes much. you need like the little like, we're gonna mama yep. bird, I'm gonna shove you off of the nest, and you're yes. gonna fly. a <laughs> well, little bit, yeah. <laughs> so how did you wind up owning this shop and becoming a owner? because you kind of went zero to 60 when you did decide to dive in yes yeah that you that, dove that's, in that somehow just skyrocketed um
1: my partner and i we were actually in the process of of trying to purchase the shop that he was working at previously the owner had made comments about possibly retiring and wanted him to take over and so we got advisors we got you know bank lawyer like all the stuff that nobody teaches you in school. So I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Fun fact, nobody knows what they're doing. Um, <laughs> we got everybody 100% together. accurate. <laughs> Seriously, uh, we went over numbers. We went over all the stuff. And um, as a whole together, we decided that that was actually not going to be the right path for us, that particular garage. And we went, okay. no. But that had already kind of sparked the bug in our ear of, well, what if we do something for ourselves? Why do we have to work for someone else? And that way, I can work at the speed that I'm comfortable with, and my partner can work at the speed he's comfortable with, and still be able to produce the work that we do. So we were deciding, okay, what if we start over from scratch? We'll find a, an empty space. We'll build our own. How can we advertise? Yada yada. And our advisor kept saying, find a, a retiring garage. It's it's mm. you'll get your foot in the door you'll get customers like find a retiring garage and my partner and i we very much like classic cars and vintage cars we don't want to deal with the computers We, we just you know we know carburetors like that's what we do so we got i'm in small town portland maine and so we got looking and we're like well, there's one available in, in <laughs> Portland. So, so we called them up and we're like, hey, are you looking for employment opportunities? Are you looking for like a co-worker situation? Can we rent a lift from you? This is kind of what we're thinking. And um, my life since 2019 has been one of those at the right place at the right time mm. sort of situations. And when we called them up, they said, you know, we're actually thinking of retiring. Why don't you come down and we'll mm. chat? And we're like, Oh, okay. And so we chatted. And we went back to our lawyers. They drafted up, you know, a price. We drafted up how much we could afford. And we amazing. came back and we went, yes. And then we're actually coming up on our one year, June fourteenth of this year. Amazing. Will be one year of owning the shop. And
0: Congratulations! Thank you. So, we went, <laughs> so yeah, we just kind an of amazing story. <laughs>
1: it just happened, and and I'm still like we. We signed papers at the lawyer's office on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, we had nine cars lined up for us to work on, and we, oh my we haven't stopped. We have not stopped. I'm so oh, thankful. Oh,
0: my goodness. That is amazing. But it's also,
1: it's, it's also helped push me out of that comfort zone because I I, yeah. I need to get these cars done. I have to pay to keep these lights on. Mm-hmm. We've since hired an employee. I have to make sure my employee gets paid. Oh, my goodness. Um, So we just, we just go. And if I get stuck on something, um, I mean, we do have a full library of books that we can go through. We have the internet we can go through and I have two other resources, which is my partner and my coworker. So I just, you know, if, if, if I get stuck, I'm gonna ask for help. And luckily these two wonderful gentlemen, they, I mean, they judge me a little, but you know, they don't judge me <laughs> too badly. So I know- You probably judge them job.
0: back a little bit though. I'm sure. Oh,
1: 100%. <laughs> I have-
0: That's what bosses do, you know? Totally. 100%. I have so many questions for you. Um, I I love I love that you said it, it just happened. And yet like how much work you actually put in to get to that place, right? It it did not just happen. Let's be clear, everybody, (laughs) right? Like first she put in a whole bunch of work on herself. Mm -hmm. Then she put in a whole bunch of work learning the things that she wanted to be doing. And then you found an advisor and you explored and you laid out different opportunities and went through different scenarios to figure out which one was gonna make the most sense for you. And that is huge. Cause I think you probably are familiar with this too virtually every trades person that I know wants to be their own business owner at some point, Yes, right? They want to own their own business. Um, and yet most small businesses fail. And it is because they're not going through those exercises that you and your partner did. Do you mind me asking if if it doesn't dig too deep, why you <laughs> chose not to go after that first opportunity? What made that wrong as far as an opportunity? Um, Without
1: getting into too much detail or bad mouthing the last place, just numbers were not lining up and okay. they didn't necessarily want to retire. They liked the idea of retiring, but they still wanted to be a boss.
0: Gotcha. And we went,
1: no, if we're going to buy something, we want to buy it outright and have it be 100% ours. Something yeah. that we have control over. Something that, again, I, I don't feel like I have to prove myself to someone. I can do what I'm comfortable doing and still have complete control over everything. Cause I'm really good when it comes to being in control of things. <laughs> so, and that's a big thing. And I, you know, coming, coming with the imposter syndrome of, of yeah, I probably should have gone to work for somebody in a garage or, you know, gone to school for it. My, my younger sister actually went to school for it. So there was also that okay. kind of like, I don't, I didn't want her to feel like I was copying her because she actually went in that direction and I had gone in a different direction. So I probably should have gone to school, but I didn't. I probably should have worked at a different garage or worked under somebody first and learned as much as possible. But there was that like, again, Mm -hmm. that imposter syndrome of I don't belong here sort of thing. And so for me, owning my own business, even if my knowledge is still here, I have the opportunity to get here because I'm allowing it to get there versus somebody forcing me to get there.
0: It's a really interesting perspective. It's it's almost like it could almost be seen as not imposter syndrome, right? It could almost be seen as like confidence, right? And yet you're saying that it wasn't confidence that drove you to going out on your own. It was the ability to control the situation and not be subjected to the rest of the potential judgment or very interesting
1: yeah I feel
0: like if I oh go ahead no no no. go ahead go ahead
1: (laughs) I was just saying I feel like if if I went into a different garage and worked underneath someone I probably wouldn't own a garage and probably would still just be doing hair full-time and just like nope that that didn't do what I wanted it to I I I probably would have lost that hobby passion because it was a job interesting
0: very interesting. Well, then don't shit on yourself about any of those things going to school, all the whatever. It sounds like you followed the perfect path. Do you feel like dad having been a small business owner and having as a hairdresser, because in a sense you went, you are a, mm-hmm. a business, a solopreneur business, right? Yeah. When you're a hairdresser in a lot of ways. Um, do you feel like that prepared you and set you up better for being a small business owner now? I
1: think so. I, it definitely helped because, well, like all small business owners will tell you is once you own a small business, it is literally your life 24 seven. Like you yes. eat, breathe, <laughs> sleep. Like this, this is 100% your life. And so watching my dad go through it and his brothers and like, that's their lives. And sometimes they're working late nights and sometimes they're working weekends and, and all of that. And then as a hairstylist, sometimes I have to work late to get a client in or, 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 you know, my clients are texting me Sunday night at nine o'clock because they need an appointment. So like I already had that mindset of working a lot and like sometimes I don't get a lunch break, but it is what it is, you know? <laughs> so it 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 definitely helped with going in that direction versus always working for somebody or working like the corporate job, which nothing wrong with it, just wasn't my background.
0: That's fair. Do you, did because you deal with customers and with cars at the shop, yep. so I'm assuming, yep. I would assume that being a hairstylist prepared you well for the the customer yes. side of things. Yeah, the
1: the scheduling thing. I'm like, well, it's you know, I've got to schedule a hair color and I've got to schedule this oil change. So like, you know, I just, <laughs> they're both they both take time. So uh, yeah, I'm talking with people, answering the phone. Um, the thing I still struggle with with scheduling my car restoration business is not knowing how long things take but what i've learned in this last year is old cars do old car things and Mm -hmm. we actually have a car back here this little white one it's a mercedes 190 and it was supposed to take a day and now we have to rebuild the whole engine and it's going to be here for about a month so old cars just do old car things and so we really are still learning the scheduling process
0: (laughs) I, I think we need to make bumper stickers that say that. That's a fantastic catchphrase. And that's what we say.
1: Anytime You know, we call a customer, we're like, you know, it just did old car things. And now we have to replace this. And like the car right. behind me, it's a TVR, which is just a really neat car. Um, but the carburetors needed to be rebuilt. And then we learned that that carburetor really doesn't exist anymore. And you can't find parts for it. So now it's doing more old car things. And we have to buy a whole new carb kit for it. So it just... It just
0: does old car things. Yeah. So I laugh because that's exactly why when I had my general repair shop, we did not work on old things. (laughs) If it was older than 96, we didn't touch it because old cars, if you look at them funny, they will break. Yes. Like You don't even have to touch it. You just have to look at it sideways and the door falls off. And you're like, I didn't, I don't, Uh, okay. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Uh uh-huh
1: see we think the opposite once you have to plug a computer in i don't want to deal with that no (laughs) no thank you
0: how how do you handle that with customers when when old cars do old car stuff and suddenly it's this small job became a huge job how do you approach that with a customer to help them understand and like be comfortable with it
1: the biggest thing is just honesty and communication um you know you just you can't really beat around the bush. You call them up and say, hey, bad news. This is what your car did. You know, this is what it takes. This is, you know, if you want to put this much money into it, you're more than welcome to, this is what it's going to take to fix it. Um, Luckily, not all, but most people who own old cars understand that old cars do old car things. And there's a difference between Spending $3,000 on a job to make your car the same exact car that it was, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. a newer car that you have to do a brake job or whatever to, versus investing $3,000 into your vehicle to make it so it continues running and showing or make it better than it was before. And so there's, there's, there's a different mentality with customers between Hey, you need new brakes, and I have to replace your brake lines because they're 60 years old and they (laughs) fell apart. (laughs) And luckily, again, luckily with the customers, as long as you're honest and truthful and just, I don't want to say blunt, you have to be nice, but just, hey, your car fell apart. Like, I don't, (laughs) you want to come see it? It fell apart. Like, I don't know what to tell you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, being real. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that a lot of shops have is how do they, How do they explain stuff? And you're absolutely right. It's just, you just got to be real with people. You just do it. You're in Maine. Yes. You have rust. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) You have a lot of rust. I mean, do you encounter cars where it's just like, it is just, this car is not worth putting money Mm -hmm. into? Yep.
1: Yep. And there's been a couple of customers that have come in going, I really love this car. I'd love to restore this car. We're like, great, let's get it on the lift. And we... We had one, uh, it was a Jaguar E-Type that came in. And the guy was like, it's my dream car. I've always wanted this car. And then, of course, he gave all the red flags of, I bought it sight unseen on the internet, and it's an automatic. We're like, ooh, those are all really bad, bad <laughs> things that you just said. And so he, he gets it towed here. We're like, all right, well, we'll at least take a look at it. And it was it was rough. And we went to go put it on the lift and lift it up. And the lift started going up, but the car stayed where it was. And the lift was oh. just going into the, and we're like, oh, no, put that back down. Like, sorry. Oh. I hate to tell you, but you you wasted your money on this car. Just try and get rid of it, even if you can get half your money back. But oh,
0: wow. it's,
1: it's not worth it. And then, you know, go on bring a trailer. You can find something on Bring a Trailer for half the price of what it's going to take for us to fix it. So it is, it is a hard phone call to make, but sometimes, like, that's the phone call that you have to make. Right. No, I'm not going to do it. Yeah,
0: no. crazy. I don't envy you that one. Uh, that, <laughs> that's why I live in Arizona, where we don't have rest. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then, and then we get surprised. I mean, we have a TR, well hidden way back there, but we have a, a Triumph TR7 Ooh. that a customer bought, and engine was toast. We need a new engine. We actually talked him into putting a Honda Key Series engine in it. So we're we're doing a whole like fun restamod with that. Nice. and we were concerned because it's a triumph it's a british car we're like i don't know what the underneath is going to look like and we put it up in the air and we're like that is the cleanest triumph i've ever seen <laughs> we're like definitely put a k-series in it call it good
0: so you yeah. you have a lot of really unique and interesting cars in your shop i mean this is you this is not a shop full of generic hot rods and nothing against generic hot rods but like you have it's, unusual outlier kind of vehicles. So you not only dove in, you dove into challenging cars. Is there a reason why you're drawn to these types of vehicles?
1: I like classic and vintage cars and some of it may or may not be my partner's influence where he likes challenges.
0: <laughs> okay. And he
1: likes he likes thinking outside of the box, which a lot of his a lot of his push has helped me get to where I am today as, as a mechanic. There's a lot of things that I wouldn't have confidence in doing that he has helped me get there. Um, We had to adjust the suspension on the classic Porsche, uh, Porsche, excuse me, Porsche 912. (laughs) And it was one of those, like you literally had to beat the crap out of it with a hammer. That's one of the photos I sent you the the tan Porsche and I'm sitting on the ground just like, all right, here's a really expensive, really nice car. And I have to beat the crap out of it with a hammer to get the piece off of it. And previous to me meeting my partner would have been terrified of that. And he was like, no, you just hit there and there and that pops out. And I was like, well, if that's what he said, I'm just going to have that hit. So he, he, he has definitely helped my confidence in being the mechanic that I am right now. Yeah.
0: Oh, That's, that's a great point. I think so much of the time it's like, it's like permission, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that, that works. Okay. I can do that. Awesome. And and that is the one benefit potentially of, of like working at a shop with other people is like seeing other people's techniques and seeing Mm -hmm. that, like that is a legit technique. Yes, I can do that. My instincts weren't totally crazy. And like having, having that as a sounding board for Mm -hmm. sure. Oh,
1: definitely. And again, with all these old cars, just because it might be a technique doesn't mean it might not work. Sometimes you have to light things on fire. That's the only way it'll work.
0: (laughs) And that's always fun. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) What is your favorite kind of work to do when it comes to working on vehicles at this point?
1: Um, I kind of like the variety of things. Um, I don't, I don't think I have a favorite yet, but I think that's also because I still haven't done everything yet. You know, I haven't. (laughs) No, but but like I've done some interior work. I've done some suspension work. I've done some brake work. I've done some fuel line work, but like I've not completely rebuilt a transmission or done transmission work. I've not done rear end work. I've not put an engine together yet. So I don't know if I have a favorite yet because I feel like I haven't tried everything yet. You know, I've only just briefly started welding and I want to get more into that. And so like, I feel like I need to do more before I can go, yes, this is what I want to do.
0: I hear you. And I respect that. And I think it's just such an interesting, like... Do you know how many master technicians with twenty years of experience in their belt have never rebuilt a transmission? And and yet, this thing that we as women do mm-hmm. so consistently is—I don't know enough yet, yep. right? Like, yep. even... Well, and I only
1: say that because we have rebuilt transmissions. A lot of these classic cars, the transmissions need to be rebuilt. Yeah. So I'm I'm coming it from from a classic car standpoint of sure. I haven't done very many of the things that I know we have done at the shop yeah. before. So yeah. I want to be able to do it myself before I can go,
0: yes, I really like that or nope, that was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. And <laughs> yeah. like, give yourself some credit for what you have done. Right. I, I, I so often hear, you know, women will list off the things that they've not done yet. And men will list off the things that they have done. Right? That's very true. That's very true. Everything, right? Um, Even if they've done the exact same things that you have done. Um, Yes,
1: they're like, look at all the things I've done. And I'm like, I've done nothing.
0: (laughs) Give yourself some credit. Um, You have done a lot. Uh, Anything that you dislike thus far that you've learned in working on motorcycles, cars, vintage?
1: I'm not the biggest fan of interior work, especially okay. like dealing with vinyls. And there's a lot of like heating and stretching and gluing and making it so it lays just right. And it's it's not very fun. We um, Last year, I had to replace the headliner in an Oldsmobile Toronado. Oof. Yeah, and <laughs> of course the only day that I could do it, it was like 95 degrees outside and I had to like hot box myself into this vehicle to stretch the liner so it would stay where I wanted it to. And I got out of that and I was like, never again, I don't wanna do that ever again. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, that's fair. So you're <laughs> talking like actual upholstery work, not just like anything in the inside, but actual upholstery. Yeah, yep. That, that makes sense. Okay, interesting. Yeah. On your bucket list of things that you'd love to do, love to work on projects that you'd love to do.
1: Um, I don't know. <laughs> Probably should have thought of that before um, I don't. I don't know if I have a bucket list yet. I think. I think the fact that I have my shop is kind of my my bucket of my bucket list. And now that I have it, it's like well, what cool things can I do here? Yeah. I mean, so my, my car that I've pointed, it's a Lancia Beta Zagato. And okay. um, it's, it's a piece of work. It's an old Lancia. So everything was completely rusted out on it. And we dropped the engine out of it. And um, we, we decided that we're going to do things slightly different. It went <laughs> from a front-wheel drive front-engine car. And we're actually going to take the engine and put it in the back and make it yep. a mid-engine rear-wheel drive car which is the old Lancia Spiders. Okay. Car, Italian stuff. Um, but I'm I'm very excited to learn the process of how to custom fabricate and custom make and take take a car that's supposed to be this way and completely turn it around and make it this way. And like, I'm really looking forward. I mean, it's I'm going to be frustrated and hate myself half the time, but yes. I'm very much looking <laughs> forward to when I put that key in and start it up and go, yes you know, we did that
0: that is awesome i i can understand the appeal of that as a person who likes to do weird ridiculous projects as well um and yes you will hate yourself and you will question oh, yes. who came up with this ridiculous idea and then you will have to come to terms with the fact that it was you um <laughs> but it will be awesome when it's done so that is a very cool project
1: my uh, my partner tells my employee all the time that, you know, you will never be bored here. You will be frustrated, but you will never <laughs> be bored.
0: How has that transition been from being kind of, you were a, a solopreneur because you you and your partner were in on it together, but mm-hmm. like to go from that to having an employee, has that been a big shift in how things run and your con- like confidence level around the business? Mm-hmm. Has that shifted? Um,
1: so we we did have a little hiccup in the beginning. And we had hired one person and it just didn't work out. Um, and so that was definitely a little bit of a hiccup and like, oh crap, did we do the right thing? Did we not do the right thing? Um, but the employee that we have now, we were very lucky that we had actually, well, my partner had worked with him at the previous shop that we were trying to buy uh-huh. earlier. Nice. So when all of that fell down, um, and we ended up in this shop. We're like, Hey, you want to you follow us over here? So we were, we were lucky in that those two already worked really well together. And I'm very lucky that I, my partner and I, we work very well together along with living very well together. And knowing that those two work together, the three of us were able to just fit in no problem. And that's awesome. It's, it's, I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful because. My employee, he's young, he's in his early 20s, and okay. you know he's still learning as well, but he he doesn't look at me funny when I'm like, hey, can you explain what you're doing? I'm not asking you as a boss to look over your shoulder, I'm asking you as, as a coworker going, I wanna know what you're doing, can you teach yeah. me what you just did? So I'm very thankful for
0: that. That's phenomenal, and, and, and not always easy to find. So I'm glad you were able to find the right fit. I'm very thankful. <laughs> How, how do you and your partner balance, I mean, that is another huge challenge, right? Owning a mm-hmm. business with the person you live with, spending yes. all of that time together. How do you balance that and what is your secret sauce to, to success?
1: The biggest thing is, is still having fun. You know, And when the things frustrate you, whether it's an at-home situation or an at-work situation, if you do get frustrated to definitely apologize afterwards and take ownership. I, I tend to get a little bit grumpier than he does. And so I'll get grumpy. I'll snap. I need to walk away for a second and then just come back and go, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry. I snapped. I didn't mean to. Um, And then also having your own space. You know, when we get home from work, I go into the living room and I scroll on TikTok for a few minutes. He takes his shower and then he plays his video games. And so having, our own separate moments to just kind of decompress by ourselves. And then we can come back and go, okay, so this and this, and this weekend I want to do this and the cats this. And so (laughs) having that moment of kind of mental separation of like, okay, we came home from work, let's just shut our brains off for a minute. And now we can come back and we are a couple. So it's, it's, it's finding the right partner. And I feel like I've found the right partner to help me out with that.
0: It's fantastic. And fantastic advice too. I think that's that's really good words for people to hear um cuz it's definitely a thing that splits up couples and splits up ruins businesses. So it's um it's awesome awesome to hear that. So thank you for sharing your insight on that.
1: And I'm like I said I'm very thankful that I found someone who who doesn't doesn't judge me on my lack of knowledge with mechanic stuff, but also isn't intimidated by what I do know in the mechanical world. You know, he definitely doesn't, um, feel emasculated by it, but also doesn't feel like he has to one up me and prove something to me. You know, we we work very well in that level and he's able to explain things and I'm like, okay, you
0: know, (laughs) so (laughs) That's awesome. Um what have you found like what in your perspective has been the the biggest challenge that you have kind of faced in in either the business or just in your in your journey to becoming a mechanic becoming a shop owner um what has been the biggest challenge that you've had?
1: <laughs> uh the biggest challenge I deal with Besides the whole imposter syndrome thing, I think the biggest challenge I deal with is like remembering things and feeling like I have to prove myself, um, and especially in dealing with a, an industry that is primarily gentlemen who work it and always feeling like I have to, you know, haha, I do know everything, even though I don't know everything. Um, that's definitely been probably my biggest challenge. And also in the running of the business, I have a lot of people who just assume that I'm like the secretary or I just mm-hmm. kind of hold the flashlight for them. It's like, no, I I actually do some of the work here. I know my nails look clean, but that's because I still cut hair two days a week because I can't give it up. But <laughs> um, So that's really been like the, the biggest thing is the... I always quote the, you know, don't question me like they do in My Cousin Vinny because I cannot tell you what engine goes in what car from what year, <laughs> and yada, yada. That's what the internet is for. I can just Google it or I'll ask my partner because he's his brain works that way. But I can make things work the way I need to and I can I can figure out, like, okay, well, that's leaking there, so why is it leaking there? And kind of go back to where it's doing. So yeah. I think that's just kind of my biggest thing is, is the not – remembering fine details that I feel like I have to
0: remember, but I really don't have to remember them. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it 100% makes sense because I, and I like that you're acknowledging, like I, the pressure isn't actually there. I put that pressure on myself in a sense, yes. right? Like I, we, we are afraid that people are going to hold it against us that we don't mm-hmm. know the numbers and the details and the whatever. And like, I'm, I am with you. Like, I don't know what car came, what engine came in the 1970 blah, blah, blah. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't care. I can fix it if it's broken. Right. Yes. Like, that's the, that's all I care about. The
1: The biggest <laughs> like analogy that I use to describe how my knowledge in the mechanic world is, is like, think of a concert that you've gone to that you like the band, you like the band enough that you've gone to a concert, maybe you even bought a t-shirt, you can name off four or five of their songs and then you wear that t-shirt. And then usually a man comes up to you and goes, oh, can you name 10 of their songs? No, I can't name 10 of their songs. I'm not that big of a fan that I know what album came out at what time with what band member who was a previous band member of that. And I feel like that's where a lot of gentlemen's knowledge is, is they know all the background of the band or of the cars. where I know enough where I'm like, I went to the concert, I bought a t-shirt. I know that this album has these songs that I like on it. So just substitute band for car. And that's pretty much where I'm at in my knowledge. And usually when I describe it that way, people are like, no, no, I totally get
0: it. So. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic analogy. And I'll go even further. I could love a band mm-hmm. and not know the name of a single song that they play. Yes, but it's not soon the name of the band even. Mm-hmm. Or know what they look like or anything like that. But it's mixing along with it. Yes. With about fifty percent accuracy on the lyrics. Yes.
1: <laughs> you know, this is a little bit of mumbling, but you've got the tune. That's how I feel with a lot of these cars. Is like I do too. I, I know it's a Ford. I know that it's got a carburetor on it. I know that there's not enough fuel coming through it, but I'll figure it out as I get going, you know? Yes
0: that is a phenomenal analogy and i and i want to assure you like that is not about inexperience right like that is not because you're at such a level of your of your knowledge like that is just a different way of thinking and of doing things like i am t- almost 25 years in this industry as a mechanic and that is still me right at 25 years in I half the time don't know what I'm working on, right? I don't know what model it is or what year it is. I know how to fix it. And that yeah. at the end of the day is like really all that matters. And so like that's, it's just a different way, right? Some mm-hmm. people are, I think you said when we, before we were on what, live, that the people who you work with are very much those numbers people, right? Yes.
1: <laughs> they if they can't figure something out, they will research it, they will figure it out, and then they will remember it for the rest of their lives. Right. And that's awesome. That means that I don't have to remember for the rest exactly. of my life. they are my encyclopedia.
0: <laughs> that is not me, but it is it I is nice to, to have those people around for sure. Yes.
1: But I will do all the behind the scenes business stuff. They have like our big joke here is I don't know how many times I've been on the phone with Spectrum trying to figure all of the spectrum stuff out. And they have no spectrum. idea what internet. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Internet and phone. I've been fighting with them for months because why not? Joy. Um, Joy. But so, you know, they would have no idea what it came to for behind the scenes to keep the business going. They don't know what bills has to be paid, what, you know, license has to be taken care of. So I take care of all of those sides of things. I need to remember when a bill is paid. They can remember what model took what carburetor. So like
0: (laughs) works for me. And it's all just different types of knowledge. And I think that's something Mm -hmm. where we get caught up often and and the heart of imposter syndrome, I think often is right. It's, it's, I heard somebody say recently I love it is not how smart are you? It is. How are you smart? And like, what, how, like, what is your type of intelligence? Mm -hmm. Where is your strength? What is your thought process? And there's different ways to be intelligent. And just because you can't rattle off numbers does not mean that you don't know your stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And and vice versa, right? So yes. um, I, <laughs> I <much> think so. <laughs> there's like this need for a greater appreciation and understanding that there are different ways to be smart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that I feel like when that happens, then we start to alleviate this pressure that so many of us feel that we wind up internalizing and turning into Uh imposter syndrome and feelings of not enoughness and it's very intimidating
1: and like i'll admit so i'm i'm gonna fangirl for a second i've been watching you for years i've been listening to you since you've started it back with i think it was trades girl happy hour it used to be called trades
0: lady happy hour (laughs) yep
1: um so i've been listening to it and I would listen to women who have been doing this for 10, 20 years and being inspired and intimidating going, oh man, I've only been doing this for just a little bit of time. There's no way I can, you know, be up to that level. So when we were emailing of like, yeah, I want to interview you. I'm like, but I'm not as good as these women. Like I can't measure up to that because I've only been doing it like down here. So I, I guess I'm here to represent all us little women who are just still trying to get our foot in and still trying to like get up to that point of eventually being the 20-year uh, mechanic and being like, yeah, no, I totally got this.
0: <laughs> well, I want I want you to look at this comment that just got put up on the screen um, from MT Fire Queen. Right, like you are saying here that that you feel intimidated and not enough, and yet. Other people are watching mm-hmm. and every episode are being inspired, including by you, right? So she's saying in this comment, I look for those of you who can't see this and are listening later, I look forward to these podcasts every week. They make me feel that I am not alone in the way I feel as a business owner and as a woman in the trades. No matter how long you have as experience, and no matter how often we like belittle and put ourselves down and feel like not enough. It, just not enough, right? Mm-hmm. That you are inspiring other people, that your presence here, that there are other people who are looking up to you and going, oh my gosh, I don't feel like I'm enough in comparison to her, right? Oh <laughs> <laughs> is it? And a
1: lot of that is just pressure that we put on ourselves because we're women and that's what we do. And, <laughs> and trying to get past that is very hard, is very, very hard. Um, and is that something that I will ever get over? Probably not. I'll probably be that person 20 years
0: from now going,
1: man, I suck. But <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's what we do and it's what we have to work through, you know?
0: So you've got a really interesting attitude and I love, I love this. It's, it's fascinating to me because you both speak often about downing your own skill level, kind of putting yourself down and minimizing what you know and what you do and making it seem smaller. And yet at the same time, you have this beautiful confidence that is you're outgoing and you're (laughs) and you're doing the damn uh, thing.
1: uh, What do they say? Fake it till you make it. I'm just, I'm just
0: faking it (laughs) as hard as I can. (laughs) Well, you're very convincing. Um, (laughs) Perfect. You come (laughs) off very confidently. You come off very self-possessed, and the contrast between what I'm, you know, who I see in front of me, and what you're saying Mm -hmm. about yourself, stumps me a little bit. But that tells me that like you push through that fear. So tell me Uh what, like, how do you, how do you balance that? How do you take that voice that is saying, "Ah, you're not enough. You're small. You're not doing this long enough." You aren't good enough, whatever. Like, how do you take all those voices and shut them up and still show up in the world as you do continuously going after it every day like you do?
1: Um, I mean, the biggest thing, like, I mean, all women think that way. Like, we all think that we're not good enough. We're all thinking terrible things about ourselves because that's what we do. Um, What helps to push me is, honestly, it's the cool stuff that we get to do and the cool stuff that we've already accomplished. and kind of remembering like oh yeah I did this like I still talk about the fact that I was hitting that Porsche with a hammer I did that that was awesome that's that confidence of like I did this I can do anything um you know we we just got back from the Greenwich Concours d'Elegance where we brought a customer car with us and she actually won a trophy for it and like that's a car that we worked on I did a little bit of interior work to it and like that high is what keeps me going you know when a car that hasn't run in 20 years finally starts up it's like all right we did this that's what's going to keep me going that that confidence that i have when we started up that car i need to use that and tell the little part of me that thinks i'm an idiot that i'm not actually an idiot i just need to like shut up <laughs> like I, I don't know i i think it's just looking forward to the good things and the end result and and that sort of stuff is what helps to keep me confident and to, to help other women feel the same way that I, I do thinking that we're not good enough and go, you know, we just, we just need to like push our way through and fake it. And then eventually we'll
0: just just keep going and see what happens. You know, we'll take over the world. <laughs> and, and maybe cut ourselves some slack once in a while, right? bright wow. <laughs>
1: time, <fine>. whatever.
0: <laughs> for those who don't know, um, we're running out of time here, so I, I want to. I, I'm amazed that this hour has gone so quickly. But for those who don't know, know, I'm like um, going to a concourse, having a vehicle win a prize at, at a concourse is is easy. a big deal. Um, can you really explain to people what that is for those who aren't familiar with that world?
1: The Concourse d'Elegance is one of the most prestigious car shows that you could ever get into. It is the best of the best. It's um, when somebody says a car is a concourse car, that means that uh, that is literally the paint is perfect. Everything is perfect. It runs it stops. Like it's, it's the highest grade that you could give a car. It is impossible. It's not impossible, but it is so hard to get a car accepted into the concourse there's a whole like 18 step thing that you have to do to see if you can get accepted and then once you're there they line you all up I mean where our car was parked there was like 20 million dollars worth of sports cars just sitting in front of me and I'm like what am I even doing here I'm just a small town manor um and so it's it's a very big deal and you get judged and like I mean, there's dudes walking around in clipboards and they're like navy blue blazers and they're asking you a million questions about your car. And you just have to be like, yeah, it's this is what it does. This is its history. And it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I love it, but it's so overwhelming with the types of cars that you will see at the show. You know, cars yeah. that they only made a hundred of. And like, here's one of 100 just sitting there. And you're like, what? So it was really cool. It was a really. I enjoyed being a millennial being there and representing a car. Most of the vintage cars are owned by older people. So I was very excited being a millennial there and being a woman there helping to represent this car. And it was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing.
0: That's awesome. That is a huge accomplishment. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. I have photos of it all over my Instagram
0: and stuff if people want to see what the car is, but it was, it was amazing so perfect lead in where can people find you if they want to check out your shop if they want to check out your work um and just follow along on your journey and show you some support where can people find you yeah
1: so it's just Motorresto maine maine is in the state m-a-i-n-e um and that's our website too is motorrestomaine.com um i do have a tiktok page that i don't post too much on my (laughs) employees trying to work on our YouTube channel, but honestly, we've just been so busy that we it's so don't much work. get it. Oh, it's so much work. And I can't afford to hire a, a social media person right now. So <laughs> we take videos and then we go, I'll post that next year. I'll do
0: <laughs> uh, it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I try and update at least Instagram and Facebook as much as I can with just some of the cool cars that we're working on here.
0: Cause they are, they're really cool cars I yeah. have behind us. You have some yeah. very cool cars. I feel I feel a little bit bad for the folks who are listening in podcast form because they don't get to see them in the background, but there there's some pretty cool cars back there. So cool definitely make sure you go check Crystal out on Instagram and on Facebook to see all of her cool projects. We're almost we are out of time. We're gonna go a few minutes over because I have one final question I want to ask Chris. you. Um, <clears throat> and I know we've covered some of some of these things already, but um, if you have the opportunity, uh, to, to talk to little baby crystal, a little younger, young version of yourself. What are your words of advice to her?
1: Just keep going. Just, just keep going. Trust in yourself. You're going to make the right decisions and you're going to continue on your path. Even if it feels like it's too dark, you know, that tunnel yeah. will open up at the end of it eventually.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Going. I love it. I love the crazy path your life has taken. Um, I I, (laughs) I love your perspective on it. I love your attitude about it. Um, I think it's fantastic. And it's been really fun watching this business grow and watching you grow into it. It's going to be great to continue to watch your career as it unfolds. So thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to be here. This was great. You were a ton of fun. All right, folks at home. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and spending an hour of your week with us. I hope you enjoyed meeting Crystal as much as I did and hearing all about her incredible journey and her great perspective. Uh, Make sure you definitely check her out on social media to follow along on her adventures. And of course, make sure you're following with her two hands on all of the things on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, um, on wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Uh, Every Wednesday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, we have a brand new episode that is live streamed on both YouTube and on Facebook. Every Monday, we release an archived episode from this series Past Life as Trades Lady Happy Hour, which lived on Instagram. So we released one of those past episodes. Um, and you can, of course, catch all of these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts as well. So make sure you hit like, hit subscribe, keep up to date, come back next week to meet another incredible tradeswoman. We've got some really fun stuff in store for you guys over the next couple of weeks. So make sure you stay tuned. Final big thank you to our sponsor for this episode, Drive Time. We appreciate their support over the years on this series and their support more importantly for women in the trades and creating opportunities for them. And the biggest thank you goes to you guys for spending part of your evening with us. Thank you so much. Until next time, be good to yourselves, be good to one another. Have a good day.